Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I was thinking about that today. I was sitting in a light. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who heals all your diseases. Healing was, was, was ours even in the Old Testament. Everybody say amen. All right. Well, we're going to continue. This is uh, this evening. Uh, this will be the third in a series of Healing is Ours. And we're going to talk about Jesus healing, possessive case, Jesus's healing mission. His mission to heal. Everybody say amen. You know, uh, we're going to be on healing for a while because what we're going to do is once we get past some of the some of the foundational stuff, we're going to start looking at the individual healings that happened in the Old Testament or in the New Testament and not so much the Old Testament, although we may touch on some of those. But the reason for this is because we are grasping the heart, the wisdom and the revelation of who God is and what his will is because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. One of the uh, Hebrew words for wisdom is chachmah, and it is, the, it is the wisdom that is pounded in, pounded in, pounded in, pounded in. Every night when I'm getting uh, bub ready for bed, I'll do the same thing. I'll hold out, you know, his, his, you know, the little PJs that he wears. I'll hold the pants up and I'll say, left foot, left foot. And he'll put his left foot in there. And I, you know, right foot. And he's hearing that over and over and over because I am determined he's going to know his left from his right. You know, you know, I've even known airline pilots that struggle with left and right. I know how crazy that sounds, but, you know, and, and so the way they remember it is that their left hand's married. You know, well, it works for me. All right. Because how many of you know that, you, you know, if they tell you to turn into a right hand pattern, you don't want to go left. I actually did that once. Started turning life and looked up and here was a C-130 coming out of the coming off of the runway in St. Joe. And I went, how did that happen? And John, my instructor, who was just sitting there watching me like there, says, they told you right hand, you went left. I went, oh, all right. I want to read a passage of scripture, Matthew chapter four, verse 23. And it says, oh, and the, the other thing is, as we listen, as you listen tonight, as you listen by web. Don't just consider this from the angle of someone who needs healing, but learn. And that's what we're doing is we're learning uh, the, the theory and the praxis, the practice of ministering healing. All right. So in Matthew chapter four and verse 23, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee. Number one, teaching in their synagogues. Number two, proclaiming, preaching. Charisma, the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. What was Jesus saying when he preached? We know from multiple scriptures. He came out saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what is implied in that is that without repentance, there is no entrance of the kingdom into our lives. And that's not because it angers God, but because it renders us, if we fail to repent, it renders us incapable of receiving. 
to repent. And I'm not just talking about, you know, I'm not just talking about repent of sin. It means change your mind, change your thinking, change your values, not just about sin, but about the very nature and character of God. Because if you don't see God the way Jesus presents him and the way the, the scripture presents him, you will, you will struggle to receive healing because you know you don't deserve it. How many of you are with me? How many of you have ever been praying for something and that gnawing condemnation? You don't deserve this. You can't believe God for that. I'm telling you, that's, you know. Human conscience is a good thing until it gets out of gets out of out of bounds. All right. Mark chapter one and verses 14 to 15. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God's God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. What does euangelion gospel? What does gospel mean? Good news. Everybody say good news. You know, when somebody calls you and tells you your dog died, that's not exactly good news. Amen. I mean, one time I was coming down the street when we used to live over on Cherokee and this cat tried to beat me across the street and was completely unsuccessful. And I stopped and there's this cat and I pick it up and it had been running toward this house. And I thought, you know, I picked a cat up and I went and rang the doorbell and the people came in and said, is this your cat? That's not, it was, that's, that's not good news. You know, somebody said, well, did you pray for the cat? No, if it had been a dog. <laughs> All right. Good news. God is good. And that sermon on the, just, just think about the sermon on the mount. Jesus was bringing the good news. And in Matthew 5, 21 and 22, 5, 27, 28, 5, 33 and 34, 5, 43 and 44. He says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, you have heard it said, but I say to you, you have heard it said, but I say to you. He was coming to straighten out their thinking, because if they're thinking, if your thinking is stinking, then you are not going to be able to receive from God. Everybody say amen. You know, apparently they had some trouble believing that God would actually do that. And his highest call, Jesus' highest call, his number one mission was John 1 and 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he, meaning Jesus, has explained him. And the Greek word translated explained there in the NAS is the word that means to present or to introduce in fact, in the literature, the Greek literature of the day, it meant to do an exposition, to expose the Father. We think of that in a negative sense, but we would say, let's take it out of the, let's take it out of the negative and put it in the positive, to reveal the Father. Remember when Philip said, show us the Father and it's good enough for us. And he said, Philip, I've been with you this long and you still ask me, show us the Father? Am I talking fast enough for you? All right. Note to self, no more coffee for no. I haven't had coffee since this morning. All right. The Father Himself, He came to take the God that no one has seen nor can see. Somebody said, Well, I thought Moses, Moses saw Jesus, second person of the Trinity. 
No man has seen the Father at any time. To include a local group whose founder said he did. He did not. I don't know what he saw, but it wasn't the Father. All right. And so it Jesus came to make the somewhat mysterious God of the Old Testament very clear, very understandable, to reveal him. To explain his nature. To show us what God was really like. How? By becoming love with skin on it. Jesus is, not was, is love with skin on it. Why is that important? Because if you don't think, you know, I, I, how many of you have ever read the, the uh, cartoon strip Ziggy? You know, I like Ziggy. He's a, you know, that, that guy's pretty funny, the guy that writes Ziggy. And there's one... I remember this of all the Ziggies I've ever seen, the one that stands out most to me is the one where Ziggy's, you know, he's always kind of bent over and he's walking along and this giant hand is coming out of heaven like this just above him. like He's going to boing and punt him into next month. There are people who honestly think that that is God's attitude toward them. Many of them think they deserve it and they do. But that's still not God's attitude. God is love. And nothing we do can change that. You know, you will have more success getting the sun not to shine than you will getting God to hate you. He doesn't even hate the devil. He hates the things the devil does. He hates the things the devil stands for. But if he could hate the devil, he could hate you. Are you with me now? God doesn't hate. He, he hates sin. But he doesn't hate people. Everybody say, man, that's a good idea. You know, amen. All right. That's, that'll preach. All right. And when you know that God is 100% for you, that is where good theology. One of my professors used to say this in seminary, and I really, it stuck with me. He was, you know, the most quotable person I've ever met. An a Methodist to boot. And he said, good theology sets people free. Bad theology puts people in bondage. And knowing that God loves you and is for you. He may not approve of everything. Well, in fact, he doesn't approve of everything you do. But he approves of you. That's where we separate religion from true spirituality. Good theology. And Jesus' theology definitely chapped. If you follow my Texas use of the term. Just really frosted. There's, that's Oklahoma. The uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees. All right. Even today, some believers just cannot believe them, bring themselves rather to believe that God wants to heal. And that is exactly the kind of unbelief. I remember a man of God talking about one time, talking about prosperity. And he was teaching that in this fellow's church. He was, he was a traveling minister. And, and he said, the pastor of that church said, I just really wish... That I could come to the place where I really believe that God wants to bless me. Really wants to do good stuff for me. You know. Condemnation is a horrible thing. Horrible thing. And also we need to remember that for the most part Jesus was teaching Jews. Now Proverbs 9, 10 and 11 says this. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, I'm not even going to read verse 11 because I just decided to leave it out. Knowledge of the Holy One. Knowledge knowing Him. Alright? Jesus came so that we could know God, not just about Him. Alright? Now, 
I know about Patrick Mahomes. I know who he is. I know about Travis Kelsey. I know about Andy Reid. You know who he is, his affinity for hamburgers. You know, I, I, know, about, I, I know about these men, but I do not know them. All right. Now, if somebody were to come up to me and say, do you know that guy, Jim? You know, the, at your church, I've seen him over here, you know, at the big store out here. And I would say, oh, yeah, I know Jim. Oh, I don't just know about Jim. I know that Jim does a really good Holy Spirit impression. He's done it right up here multiple times. And he and I talk and we exchange emails and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I know Jim. Well, that is exact. God wants us to have a personal. Jesus came so that we could have a personal relationship with him. In fact, in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. And remember, starting in John 12, every, all of the bread that, that follows is Jesus Last things he said before going to the cross. And he said in John 14, 16, he said, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. The word translated another there is another of the same kind. Another is the same kind of me as I am. And he will be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you. And will be in you. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's the third person of the Trinity. And so what does Jesus say next? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So in other words, that relationship with God is supposed to be up close and personal. Amen. In fact, you skip down to John 16, a couple chapters later, beginning in verse 15. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. How can you lose when God Almighty is himself guiding you? For he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you. He will reveal to you what is to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of mine and disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I say, said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. He sent us his, he, while he was walking the earth, he physically with the apostles and not just the apostles, but there were extended because he said and there were at least 70. He was their teacher and their guide. Well, guess what? He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And now we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us to be our teacher and our guide. Now, holding that thought. We go to Acts chapter 1. In his introduction, Luke says this. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. All right, let's just stop there at that first verse. Began to do and teach. It is a very interesting word that means began. Started. Okay, so everything that Jesus started to do and teach. Well, has he finished? Well, yes and no. Because it goes on to say uh, in verse 2, uh, when, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, until the day he was taken up to heaven 
after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. So, in one sense, yes, he was finished because of the use of the word until. But if you keep reading, you see that he is, all that's happening now is his ministry is changing modes. Now, instead of being the only body of Christ on earth, he is going to the right hand of the Father. And you and I and everyone who believes in him become the body of Christ. And he gave them orders. He gave them power. He says in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, wait a minute. They were already born again because Jesus had breathed on them in the upper room on resurrection night and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And of that experience, Luke in chapter 24 says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So they were fully born again. And yet he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive power until you're literally endued clothed with power from on high. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. He continues that teaching, preaching, healing ministry through us. Hallelujah. Every one of us, every single child of God is called. Hallelujah. All right. So let's take a look at the glorious, you know, uh, um, well, I love this. You know, what what uh, what did he in Matthew 10, 7? He said, go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. So whatever it is you do in life, maybe you are a auto mechanic. Great. That's awesome. God will anoint you to do that. And while you're doing it, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. You know, maybe you're a. You're a medical professional. Praise God for that. While you're doing it, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Maybe you're a police officer. Great. Awesome. We need good cops. While you're at it, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Let me tell you something. You know, you know we, I was just thinking about it today. We had some people standing up here, a couple of people, ladies, standing up here on the, at the interstate holding up a sign that said, lost job, um, you know, need help, rent, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, if, when you've been to a third world country, you go down to Paraguay or, um, you know, uh, Peru or, uh, so, you know, um, Ecuador or even Central America, Costa Rica, you see a lot of begging. You see a lot of begging down there. And the Lord has shown me we're going to see a lot more of that in this country. You know, things that I'm going to talk, I don't want to get ahead of myself on for Sunday, but you're not even going to recognize this country in three years. You won't even recognize it. Somebody says, well, I don't recognize it now. That's my point as we are headed into the acceleration. But it is a marvelous opportunity for the power and the kingdom of God to manifest. It is a marvelous opportunity. There are, going to, there are going to be times when people will not be able to afford or have any way to go see the doctor. Right now, you go to the emergency room, even if you don't have insurance, they can't turn you away. That will change. That will change. And I predict it. You know, I can't say that God showed me. I just know the way things are, that you know, things will continue until they can't. Amen. Put government borrowing in that, in that category.
All right. Uh, and I collect Social Security, but I do not expect that to get me to the end of the you know, to the end of the age. <laughs> All right. Uh, so he gave orders. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out. Well, let's go back to uh, Matthew 4, and let's read from 23 through 25 the whole thing. Jesus was going through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. And I believe that the order in which Matthew is under the inspiration of the Spirit presents this is, 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 uh, is important. Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Now, do I believe that he taught before he preached? No, I do not. I believe that he preached first and then taught. But I believe that Matthew lines these things up in the order of their impact. Because to preach means to proclaim. To teach means to explain. You know, if you've, um, if you've ever been to, you know, you sat down to a good meal or something of that nature and you eat it. It's not what you eat that helps you. It is what you digest. And, you know, we've eaten a lot of things that are not digestible. Amen. And so let's keep reading here. And healing, preaching the gospel, of the, proclaiming, the, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind. Everybody say every kind. Every kind. That becomes important later on. Not tonight, but later. Every kind of sickness and every kind of every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And the news about him spread throughout all Syria and they brought to him all who were ill. Those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs and epileptics and paralytics. And he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the, uh, the Decapolis. Uh, it says the Decapolis because Decapolis is not a name. It's actually uh, of, a, of a city. It's an area. And literally it means ten, 10 cities. Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and the Transjordan from beyond the Jordan. Now, the word, it says there he was healing uh, every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. The word translated healing there is Therapuo. Can you think of, a, of an English word that might just come from therapuo? Therapy, right? All right. It means, and, and for our case, it's healing that is accompanied by teaching and preaching. Um, and I'll explain why I believe that. Because healing without the proclamation of Jesus is suspect. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, it says, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus uh, Christ and Him crucified. In 1 Corinthians 1 and 23, We preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness. The fact is that there are cults that do get people Physically, if you healed in a fashion, I was, you know, and I've told this story before, but when I was doing my uh, doctorate, there was a, you know, we were, there were a number of doctoral candidates there. We were, I can't remember what we, it was some sort of a seminar that we were, in which we were participating. And one of the, and we were talking about healing. And somebody said something about 
uh, Christian science. How many of you know the Christian science? Christian scientists are big on healing. Mary Baker Eddy was 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 big on healing, and uh, you know, healed by Christian science. And one of the guys in the class spoke up and says, "Oh, there's nothing to that. That's just superstition." And one of the other candidates spoke up and said, "That is not true." He said, "I was raised by a my mother was a Christian science." practitioner and anyone who tells you that they are that, that people do not get healed under their ministry and he would use scare quotes he said would you know that that's not true he said I saw a lot of people receive physical you know relief from their physical ailment he said the problem is that with that physical healing came a much deeper form of bondage in another area of their life. How many of you follow what I'm saying? And we're just going to get real about this stuff. All right. And so Jesus is the healer and Jesus is, you know, and so somebody might, you know, look at that and say, well, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, Pastor Kevin, so maybe we shouldn't preach healing. Maybe we should just preach Christ and him, nothing except Christ and him crucified. And uh, to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Gentiles, foolishness. Put it in context. The context is, I did not come to you with the uh, superiority of wisdom and with flowery words. I came to you very simply preaching Christ and him crucified. And as far as the healing power manifesting among the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, he says to them, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. So yes, in the church at Corinth under Paul's ministry, people were healed. And there were signs and there were wonders and there were other miracles. OK, so, you know, it's and the, the you know, the the proclamation of Jesus as Lord is ultra important. But healing comes with that. Uh, Therapeuo, coming back to that Greek word from which we get our word therapy. Do you know what the primary meaning of that is? It means to serve or to wait on somebody. I want you to think about this. Any of you have heard of a physical therapist? What does that person do? They inflict maximum pain. Well, that may be true, but that's not the point. My dad, when he had his knee uh, replaced, referred to his physical therapist as his physical terrorist because she knew how to make him hurt, you know, but she got him through it. All right. Um, and so what, when you see a physical therapist, what are they doing? They are, they are helping you. They are ministering to you. They are helping you to, uh, you know, it, the primary meaning means to serve and to wait upon. In fact, in Acts chapter 17 and verse 25, when uh, Paul is preaching on Mars Hill, and he says, neither is God served by human hands. The word translated served is the word therapon. All right. A therapon. Well, it's the verbal form of it. it. A therapon was a servant, was one of the words for servant. And so Jesus came as a servant, and he said that, 
And healing was part of that. Now, we just read, he targeted every kind of disease. That word is nasos, all right? An acute condition, something debilitating or even life-threatening. Then he's, they, he uses the word illness, uh, malachia. We get our, we, I think, I'm pretty sure our word malaise would come uh, from that at, at some point. But, and that is a more chronic or recurring or long-standing condition. I'm thinking of the woman who for 18 years had been bent double. You know, after you've been sick for 18 years, uh, you, don't, you don't have a whole lot of hope. Or how about the woman with the issue of blood who had spent all that she had with, on the physicians and not, you know, gotten better, but had rather grown worse. All right. So um, now, you know, there, in Luke chapter five and verse 15 is another word uh, that is used and it is sometimes misunderstood. It's the word asthenia and it can be used metaphorically and is by Paul often, but it can mean a literal physical infirmity, a weakness, or an illness. Now, let me give you some further uh, definitions here so you see that what we're hitting on. The nasois diseases that we just read, you know, could be moral. <coughs> you know, like you see something and you go, that is sick. That is exactly the way that word would be used. Or it could be intense when it says pains there. It can be intense pain. Uh, in Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, when the centurion approached him about his servant, it says, the, uh, and when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Literally, he is in excruciating Pain, intense, controlling pain. If you've never had that kind of pain, I assure you, it is life altering, life controlling. I remember one of my professors, uh, again in seminary, different one, talked about how that pain wants to rule our lives. You know, he said, when you've got pain, you know, and somebody says, hey, let's go to the store. Well, let me check with pain. And see if it's okay. Let's go out and eat pizza. Let me check with pain and see if I can make it. You know? Hey, you want to go to see the Royals game? I got free tickets. Let me see if pain will let me go. I want you to think about that. There is a lot of truth in the way he presented that. Because pain, I mean, you know, when my hip was going away, I mean, I used to, you know, sit when I would drive, you know, long distances. I would take, I would roll up, you know, a, uh, a washcloth or a towel and put it under this thigh to get to try to get some. And if I didn't have that, I'd sometimes stick my hand down there, you know, to try to get some relief because it always, you know, and I mean, it when I would get ready to get in the get in the forerunner, it's like this. Yeah! Like that, because I mean, when you did this, it felt like somebody stabbing a knife. In your hip. And just for that's why I wore loafers. Just forget tying your shoes. You know, pain is a bad, bad place to live. And Jesus cares. Amen. Then he also, and you know, I want a lot of people don't think of this as healing, but 
demonized people. Diamonizomai uh, mean an oppression, obsession, possession. And then there is the selenayadzomai uh, 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 coming from the, word, the Greek word for the moon, meaning moon smitten or moonstruck. We use the word epilepsy. All right. Epilepsy and demonization are different categories. A person can have epilepsy without being demon possessed or demonized. How many of you follow me here? We, be, we really need to be careful because not every sickness is a spirit of infirmity or some sort of demonic manifestation. Another uh, word used here, uh, paraluticos. We would say paralytics, right? People that are paralyzed and cannot walk, you know. Well, who, whom, should I say, did he heal? It said, let's go back and read it. The news about him spread, uh, healing every kind of sickness and every kind of disease among the people. And the news, that's in verse 23, and the news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they were bringing to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics. We just talked about all those. And he healed them. And many places says he healed them all. Not every place. No, sometimes Jesus was not able to heal very many people. When he went to his hometown in Nazareth, the unbelief kept him from being able to minister except to a handful of sickly people. And when it talks about, you know, Syrians and then Decapolis and Galileans and Arabians, Jesus never turned a Gentile away. Somebody might say, well, what about the Syrophoenician woman? Well, that was a, di a little different deal and he didn't turn her away. She actually received what she needed. You know, she was being tested. But here's where, you know, one of the things I want to really harp on tonight and that is that, you know, so I'll get out my harp. You know, that we are called to pray for the sick. Amen. We are called to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Somebody says, well, I just don't, I just don't know. Well, you know what? The Lord is going to start moving on us in that way increasingly in the days to come. And when you look at somebody you love, whether it's family or neighbor or coworker or anything, someone, you know, and you see them suffering, we need to get past this thing of, you know, being too timid to say, would you let me pray for you? Well, yeah, I would do that. But what if they don't get healed? That's not your job. Your job is to pray, to lay hands on them and to believe God, you know. And, you know, I love it when he moves through uh, you know, the gift of healing or the gift of faith, the gifts, one of the gifts of healings or the gift of faith. I love it. I've had the, both of those operate and it is awesome, but particularly the gift of faith, because you know what God's going to do before he even does it. And it comes out of your mouth and bang, it happens. And it is a sign and a wonder. And it is awesome. And I love that. But most of the time we pray by and we believe we receive by faith and what did Jesus say in John 20 and 21? He said, peace be with you as this is on resurrection night, as the father has sent me, whatever his mission was, I also send you. 
Well, that was for the apostles. No, he told them in Matthew 28 that they were to tell, teach, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do exactly what he, to observe everything he had taught them to do. That includes this. He even says that the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. That's John 14, 12, by the way. All right. So we can reach our world for Jesus with Jesus' power and the anointing follows holy boldness. This has got to be bold. Man, let me pray for you. You know, if they say, I don't want you praying for me, fine. Step back and do it at a distance. <laughs> of course, in England, you could get arrested for that. But moving along. And I'll close with this. This will be my first closing. <laughs> Through Jesus, the Holy Spirit, every miracle <coughs> that Jesus worked, the Holy Spirit actually did. Because he said, I do what I see the Father doing. You know, I cannot speak on my own initiative. What I hear, I also speak. The Son of Man does nothing in and of himself. And so, why is that important? Because he said, the works that I do shall you do also. If he was doing everything he did as the third person of the Trinity, as or second person of the Trinity, as the Word made flesh, as God in the flesh, those things we cannot replicate because we are not God. But if he did them under the anointing, and Messiah means, Christos in Greek, means anointed one. If he was doing it out of his own divinity, why would he need an anointing? We are called Christians, which is the diminutive, the little Messiah. We are the, we are Messiah juniors, you know. We are apprentice Messiah, whatever you want, however you want to put it. We're the little anointed ones. And, you know, when Jesus did the miracles, he didn't do it. The Holy Spirit did it through him as a yielded vessel. When the enemy tempted him to turn the rocks into the stones, into bread, that was a temptation to do it out of his divinity. Something, and that would blow the paradigm. It would blow because everything he did in this life, he laid aside all the relative attributes of deity without laying aside his deity. He was fully God the whole time, but he was also fully man. And you don't see him doing any miracles until you see the Holy Spirit descend upon him after his baptism. All right. And, you know, we don't know all the miracles Jesus did. John says if, we, if they were all written, you know, that it would take too many scrolls. Etc. But, you know, we do know a few notable things. Water turned into wine. 4,000 fed. 5,000 fed. How about walking on the water? That's a good trick. All right. Rebuking the storm. I love it when people just kind of skip over it that they get so, they get so caught up. And I think it's in John. With him rebuking the storm and everything became, you know, calm and like, wow. But they missed the part where it says, and immediately the boat was where they were going. They were, when he rebuked the storm, they're out in the middle of the lake. And when it got calm, they were on the other side. 
Man, that's what I call light speed travel. Amen. Healing, however, of, you know, all these wonderful miracles he did. Healing, arguably, was center stage of his ministry. If our musicians would come. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 15. It reiterates something that we read back there in Matthew 4. It said, but the news about him was spreading even farther. And large crowds were gathering to hear him. Look, listen to this. Gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. To hear him and to be healed. Am I splitting theological hairs by saying that healing was the thing that drew the, 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 the single most? I'm sure there were other things. But, you know, some people came because he had words of life and they had questions and stuff like that. But a lot of people came because they were in misery or they were suffering from some sort of a physical. And Jesus never did a single ministry to prove his divinity or his anointing. He didn't have to. Healing. Think of it. Just everybody think theologically. Don't think naturally. Don't think politically. My God, don't think politically. Healing as the healing miracles were not to demonstrate power. They were to demonstrate intent. In other words, you know, all he would have to do is just wave his hand and make the make the sky go dark or go down to Galilee and say like this and have the, the Lake of Galilee part like the Red Sea. If he wanted to just strut his power. But what did he do? He relieved people of their suffering. He set them free from their oppression. He, really, he, he, he gave them their health. He gave them their strength. And in many cases, gave them their lives back. Amen. And if you've ever been sick, you know what I mean when I say, get your life back. And that was his intent. It showed God's intent, God's love, God's mercy, God's care for us. It is what Paul says over in uh, uh, Ephesians, the kind intention of his, according to the kind intention of his will. Back in the uh, early days, or the days of the uh, Voice of Healing Revival, the you know, the Lateran movement, whatever you, you call it. There was a uh, Pentecostal preacher by the name of Raymond T. Ritchie. When I went to school, I read some of his stuff. And it is estimated that under his ministry, he died, he was born in 1892, I think it was, he, and he died in 1968. And so he was very active in the 48 through uh, 59 time frame traveling lots of and they they estimate that he led through altar calls and big meetings and tent meetings and things over a million people to Jesus now that's impressive I'd say a hundred thousand is impressive and a million just over the top and he's the one who said that divine healing 
is the dinner bell of the gospel. He said, you keep ringing that bell and people will come. Amen. And as we go into the next phase of our history in this world, that's going to be more important. How many of you think, just think about this. Remember the little damsel, I love King James, the little servant girl up in Syria who was the servant to Naaman's, Naaman, his wife. And he was leprous. And she said to her mistress, she said, would that my master was in Samaria, which is what's the northern kingdom, Israel. There the prophet would, would you know, there the prophet could heal him. And we know the story of Naaman the Syrian, you know, dipped seven times and he was healed. But what, what this teenage girl, why would she say that to her her, her mistress, her, the lady that is her, her master. Why would she say that if Elisha did not have a reputation for healing? Even in the Old Testament. I mean, the things we see Jesus do, they would, he, did, he was doing them in the Old Testament too. Amen. And saints, there are so many people we know that God wants to give them their life back. And in the days to come, it's going to be even more that way than it is now. And he has already shown us his intention. And that is to save them. He wants to save them. God isn't looking for a reason to beat us. He's looking for an excuse to bless us. And he's calling us in. Let's all stand. Those of you watching by web, if you do not know Jesus of Nazareth as your Lord and your Savior, do not wait another nanosecond or picosecond to do so. Right now, give your heart to Him. Why? Because God loves you. And I don't care where you've been, what you've done, and how wretched your life either is, has been, or looks in the future especially, our Father will save you. He will all, he, Jesus said, all who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. How do you do that? You cry out to God and you say, I believe, Father, that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that you have raised him from the dead. And with my heart, I believe, and with my mouth, I confess, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. And you will be born again. Scripture says that you will pass from death into life and you will be transferred from the dominion and under the of the of darkness and the devil's boot to the kingdom of God's beloved son. Christian, you are to be a well of healing power. If you need healing yourself, you need to go back over this message. I want you to listen to it and I want you to see the God who became man and who revealed that he is love and demonstrated the intent on every kind of sickness, every kind of disease, every kind of pain, paralysis, epilepsy, uh, palsy, you name it, not just the headache. And once you've received, freely give, heal the sick, Raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, because freely you have received, freely give.
Amen and amen. Hallelujah. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.